I'm trying to make a case today for apostolic culture. I need you to understand before I can be dismissed and my burden be lifted, the need for apostolic culture. And I need to somehow or another generate a desire in you or to refire the desire in you to create this apostolic culture. And doing so, you will be able to reap the benefits and the blessings of apostolic culture. Culture is defined as the customs, the dress, the arts, the social institutions, or the achievements of a particular nation, a particular group of people, or any social group that gathers. Culture is all the ways that life is supposed to be passed down from generation to generation, from family to family, and from one to another. But we as a society and as a worldview took culture and we institutionalized it. Then we industrialized it when we were supposed to have personalized it so it could metastasize and affect everything we come in contact with. It has been said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I don't want to stay long here, but I teach a lesson on this. And you can have the best strategies, programs, and processes in the world, but if you don't have the proper culture, it'll just dissipate, disappear. It's short-lived, and it doesn't last. So we need to create this culture, this apostolic culture, that when systems fail, it prevails. It kicks in and keeps things going. So how do we create culture? We, very simply, if you study it and research it, we go back to our roots or our values. We go back to what is important to us. And those values must be articulated. They must be not only spoken, but they must be understood. And then finally, they must be actualized, put into action. But creating culture requires more than just saying the right things or publishing a list of values. Culture is created by modeling the desired values and behaviors. Simply put, people do what people see. But we must have more than just culture, just a general culture. We must have more than just a Texas culture. If you came to Texas, we would treat you to Texas culture. We must have more than a Colorado culture. And I love your Colorado openness, friendliness, uh, caring. Uh, I love being around you, you guys and gals. Amen. You make me feel at home. You make me feel welcome. But we need more than just Colorado culture. We need more than Republican culture or Democrat culture. We need more than denominational culture. Pentecostalism, Methodism, uh, Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, these are all denominations, but they, by nature and by design of the word, denominee, which means to divide the nations, they divide us instead of drawing us together. So we don't need denominational culture, and we don't need organizational culture. I meet you by way of the United Pentecostal Church. I understand the independence of this church, and I respect this bishop dearly. Amen. But it doesn't matter if I'm UPC or LMNOP. 
We don't need organizational culture in this day or hour. We don't need local culture of Temple Christian Center, TCC, or even CAC culture. What we need is apostolic culture. What we need is apostolic culture. What we need is apostolic culture that calms us in our crisis, that keeps us anchored in our storms uh, and carries us all the way to the end of our life where we will receive our eternal reward. That's what we need and the world needs. I'm simply preaching to you today that we must absolutely be apostolic. That's it. That's the message. Now, I've got a lot more to say, but that's the message. We must be absolutely apostolic. Today, we gather in this house because we're all apostolics. We're apostolics because we teach, preach, practice, and believe what the apostles preached, practiced, taught, and believed. We are, here, we are not here because of organizational identity or individual ideology. But we gather here today because like your name says, Calvary Apostolic Church. We are apostolic. Can you say amen? And we must create an apostolic culture because of what we've been through and because of what we are living in right now. And because of what the Bible says we are going to go through, we must create an apostolic culture in our world today. In a post-quarantine world, all the metrics of church measurement has changed. It used to be like this. Count the members on Sunday and the money on Monday. And that's how we used to measure growth. How many people do you have? How much money do we have to resource the visions of the church? And that's what it used to look like. But now the ministry must be more concerned and broader viewed than that. The ministry must be more concerned about the church, you, the church, the church's life experience through the week than the church's worship experience on the weekend. I'm going to say that again. In this post-pandemic world, Everything has changed. We can't just count members and money. We have got to recognize that how our members, the body of Christ, are living their life Monday, Sunday through Saturday, the rest of the week, how they're living it in their daily operation is more important than just having good church on Sunday. That's what I'm talking about, apostolic culture. I am not against good church. As a matter of fact, I can't stand bad church. And if you've been to bad church, you know what I'm talking about. I tell them at TCC every week is Super Bowl Sunday for us. There's no off weekends. We got to have Super Bowl Sunday. But it's more to than just Super Bowl Sunday coming to church and having a great experience. What's happening on Monday? What are we doing on Tuesday? How are we living our life on Wednesday? What are we thinking about on Thursday? What are we looking forward to on Friday? What are we doing on Saturday that's supposed to be our day of rest? We must create an apostolic culture for those who are hungry for help in this crazy world. 
We must create an apostolic culture for the masses that realize that they have been ruined by this present culture that we are living in. We must create an apostolic culture for those that would listen to the proclamation of Paul in Acts chapter 2 when he said, save yourself from this wicked and untoward generation. So, what is apostolic culture? To understand apostolic culture, we must examine it in its origin. So let's look at it through the eyes and understanding of Luke. As he looked back 30 years after the beginning of the church and recorded the beginning of the church. And let's examine the apostolic church as he found it 30 years later and wrote it down in Acts chapter 2 verse 36. And so I read the word of the Lord. Please just remain seated. I know it's our custom sometime to stand, but I'm going to use a lot of scripture. And so I don't want you standing the whole time. So let everyone in Israel know for certain, I'm in the New Living Translation, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, Brother, what should we do? Then Peter replied to each one of them, You must repent of your sins and turn to God. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children, to those who are far away, and to all who have been called by the name of our Lord God, been called by our Lord God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time and strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter was saying was baptized and were added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And all the believers, all the believers devoted themselves. He's looking back at the origin of the church, seeing its expansion over 30 years and writing it down in the Acts of the Apostles. All of the, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine or teachings and to fellowship and to breaking of bread, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And the deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all that the believer, all the believers met together in one place, like we're doing here today. And they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. And they, like we did, we gave offerings earlier. We returned the tithe. They, they worshiped together they, uh, in the temple each day. They met, in, excuse me, let me go back. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money as they needed. They worshiped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added, added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Here on the day that the church was born, we see the four pillars of apostolic culture. The apostles' doctrine, or we can say apostles' teachings, fellowship, breaking of bread, or sharing in meals. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And prayer. So let's observe this same apostolic culture, this same apostolic church, through Paul's eyes about the same period of time as he speaks to the Ephesians in his letter to, uh, in the, in the uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4. We are looking back at about exactly the same time and he is talking now to the present church in Ephesus. It says this, chapter 4 and verse 1. 
says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and there is one spirit. And just have you been called into one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. Now these are the gifts that he gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will be no longer like children. We will be not like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. And we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body to fit together perfectly. Each part does its own work, special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Don't live like the world. They are messed up. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the God that gives them, uh, from the, they wander far from the life that God gives them. Because they have closed their mind and they have hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you heard, from, heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off all your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbor the truth. In other words, just be authentic. So let's, oh, I, I got to keep going, but I, I could just stop right here. We got to stop the duality. I, I, I better go on. I, mm, I better go on. We got to tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. But, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Uh, when, you're, when your son go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And give generously to those who are in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Stop bullying. It's not new. It's apostolic. Speak kind to one another. Uplift one another. The world doesn't have a new ideal for us. We've got to go back to the original ideal. I've got, to, I've got to move on because I don't want to preach every one of these points, but I hope you're hearing what Paul was preaching 2,000 years ago. Stop the bullying. He said, 
Quit stealing. Stop abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you with his own. He has identified you as his own. He has identified you as his own. You are associated with the sacred. I'm going to say it again. You are associated with the sacred. When somebody sees you, they're seeing a Christian. You need to act like a Christian. You need to walk like a Christian. You need to talk like a Christian. You need to be a Christian because you are associated with the sacred one. He said that he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well of all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What an articulate view of apostolic culture. One is looking back at the beginning. Another is looking right into it at about 62 AD, about 30 years later, and we see this beautiful apostolic culture. Simply, apostolic culture can be divided, and I'm moving gears. Are you ready? Let me breathe. Cleansing breath, pause, commercial break. Now I'm back, okay? You good? All right, good. Amen. Apostolic culture can be divided into two aspects. They asked Jesus one time, what is the greatest commandment? Mark wrote the words of Jesus like this. And one of the scribes came and saying, have you heard them reasoning together and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving the answer, answer them well, he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him and said this. The first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like and namely this. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. There are none other commandments greater than these. So simply put, apostolic culture can be divided into two aspects. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. The four pillars of the apostolic church can be divided into those two aspects, and that's what we're going to do over the next few minutes here. We're going to talk about the loving God part, and then we're going to talk about the loving people part. Because if we can get this apostolic culture thing right, and we can get it churning and growing and metastasizing on our job and in our neighborhood and on, online and everywhere else we go, then we can make an effect in this world, and we can change our world one person at a time. We can affect the world. So let's examine the apostolic culture considering these two aspects. Love God. We love God through powerful prayer and through his transforming word. And we love people through unbreakable fellowship and in practical relationships. I know I said that fast, but I'm going to break it down right now. So quickly, let's look at the love God aspect in apostolic culture. Why do we need to pray powerful prayers? We don't just talk to God because the preacher says you need to pray. That's God, you need to pray. Pray, pray. I said pray. My Lord, who'd want to pray because of that? We talk 
and we pray because we want to talk to God. We want to talk to God. We want to speak to him like a friend, like a brother, like a father, like somebody that can help us, that somebody can save us, that somebody can bless us, that somebody can do We want to talk to him because he's got all the, he's the source of all the world's resources. We talk to him because we want a relationship with him. I don't pray because somebody makes me pray because the Bible said pray always or pray without ceasing. I don't, I pray because I love Jesus because I want to talk to him and I want him to talk to me. We don't talk to our spouse because we, we, uh, we just have to talk to our spouse. Hi, good morning. Oh, heaven help you if you do. We talk to our spouse because we love them. Hey, babe, how's it going? That's what I said this morning. When I got her on the phone, she would said, I'm in a hurry, I gotta go, I'm going. I forgot they were an hour ahead of us, amen. I was messing up her hairdo, amen. I said, I'll talk to you tomorrow. We talk to people that we love. We talk to people we wanna have a relationship with. We talk to God because we love him. We talk, prayer is the aspect of loving God. I don't, I don't have, if you gotta make me pray, then I ain't praying. I'm not really praying. I'm just going through some uh, calisthenics, some theological or, or exercise that doesn't really that mean anything, some liturgy that's meaningless. But if you say, hey, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is listening to you, you're in the center of his hand, at the center of his eye in the palm of his hand. He's just waiting for you to whisper a word or two to him this morning. And would, man, would you just do that right now? Would you just say something directly? to God right now oh he's listening hallelujah and as soon as you do you can feel the power of the Holy Ghost come ah. yes 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 we pray because we need power beyond ourselves. if I could do it by myself I wouldn't need God I'd be God if I could fix all the world's problems I'd be God. I cannot fix the world's problems. I can't fix the church's problems. I can't fix the people that go to my church's problems, but I know who can. And the reason I pray is because through the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost, I can do all things through Christ, which divinely enables me. How do we pray? Uh, 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 I don't have time today to go through the nine stations or steps of the Our Father prayer. We're not talking about repeating it, but he said, teach us to pray as disciples did. And he said, pray after this manner. And there's nine petitions in that prayer that if you'll break them down and pray them on a daily basis, they'll not only save you, but they'll empower you and they'll give you a burden for other people. That's another lesson for another time. So how do we pray? Just simply pray like you're talking to a friend. Practice it often. Pray like you're talking to a father who wants to give you good gifts. That's what his word says. That's what his word says. He would pray like somebody that's like it's almost Christmas. It's almost your birthday. Hey, Dad. Pray like you're talking to a friend and always pray in Jesus' name. When do we pray? We pray early in the morning or whenever you get your day started. If you work nights, you pray early in the night. Amen. We pray often, excuse me, always in every situation. Everything, we talk to God about it. Everything, we don't take it uh, to anybody else before we take it to God. And we pray often. That is without ceasing. We should be in a constant state of prayer. If you hit your thumb with a hammer, you should say, oh, Jesus, not something else. We must 
create, excuse me, and what should we expect when we pray? We should expect a supernatural demonstration of God's power that lets us do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We must create a culture of prayer that creates a system of prayer. If you want to get my mom any day of the week, if you ever want to speak to my mother, the easiest time to get a hold of her, I can guarantee you can get a hold of her, no matter where she's at, it's between 3 and 4 a.m. Because between 3 and 4 a.m., my mother goes to the three steps that go from her kitchen up into her dining area, and she kneels down every single day from 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. And because she is my holy mother, the origin of me, I've now made a doctrine out of this prayer at 3 a.m. And everywhere I go, I command people to get up at 3 a.m. and pray. You think that would work? That's ridiculous. My mom gets up at 3 a.m. because she created a culture of prayer that created a system of prayer. I don't know what your system of prayer is, but when you create a culture of prayer where you like talking to God, where you're used to talking to God, uh, then all of a sudden you will create your own system in which you talk to God on a daily basis. Okay, I'm going to move on. We need apostolic culture of power, of powerful prayer that changes us, that changes those around us, and that changes our world. When we create an apostolic culture of powerful prayer, it will develop a relationship between us and God. And that relationship will produce holiness. I'm going to say it, and they can take it off the tape, and Pastor Don can fix it when he gets back. If someone is having a problem with holiness, I can almost always guarantee you they're not praying. Because the closer you get to God, the more you want to be like him and the less you want to be like you. The closer you get to God, the more you see yourself as an unrighteous and unfit person. And who am I to come into the presence of the Most High God? Who am I that he invested his holy and precious blood on? Who am I that, I, 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 that he would look at me and love me and call me his own? When I get close to him in prayer, it produces a holiness to make me want to be like him. So why? Now, do we need to continue in the apostolic doctrine? We talked about in prayers. We're learning to love God first in the aspect of apostolic culture. The love God part is prayers and doctrine. Why do we need to continue in the apostolic doctrine? And for those that might be listening and don't know by biblical words and don't understand what doctrine is, it's simply teachings, the teachings of, the apostolic teachings. And when, So why do we need to continue? When we say apostolic teachings, we need to continue in what the apostles taught, preached, and practiced. Why they? Because Jesus gave them the permission and the mandate that whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven and, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And with that authority, they begin to write the New Testament. That is what we are taking our text out of today. And they begin to proclaim this good news and it became recorded. So why do we need to keep that? Because the reason I need to know the word and to keep the word and I need to have this apostolic teachings in my life is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. 
Paul speaking to this Roman church. I beg you or beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what will be that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to read and study the Word of God because it changes the way we think. We stop thinking like us and we start thinking like Him. We start having the mind of Christ when we start studying the Word of God. It becomes an anchor to our soul in this present world. Do I have time to illustrate? You ever run into a situation and had trouble and all hells broke loose against you? You ever had that happen to you? Amen. All of a sudden, if you've got the word buried in your heart, something might come out of your mouth like this. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. That's not my words, that's his words. Uh, and if I put them in my heart and in my mind and in my brain, uh, they'll change me into his nature and into his likeness. They become an anchor. They become an anchor to us in this present world. And they are a covenant between us and God. It is forever settled and written in heaven. The word of God changeth not. It doesn't matter what generation, what state, what country, what president, what situation, what pandemic. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, help me, Lord. If we love him, we'll want to know him. And we know him through his word. John said it like this carefully in John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So when you study the word, you're studying God. And not my words are in your Bible. Amen. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. So when I want to know God... I don't just go and kneel down and pray. When I want a relationship with God, I go and kneel down and pray. When I want to know God, I want to know him like I know my wife likes this kind of flowers and not that kind of flowers. I make those notes. I write them down in my heart and I put them there. He doesn't like this. I'll never make a dumb statement like I don't see anything wrong with it if I'm in love with the word. I don't see anything wrong with Excuse me, I feel at home. I can't stand it when people come to me. Well, pastor, I just don't see anything wrong. I say, I don't care what you think. I'm not trying to be rude. It doesn't matter what I think either. It doesn't matter what the bishop thinks. It doesn't, we didn't write this stuff down. It matters what he thinks. I didn't die for you. He didn't die for you. We didn't die for you. He died for me. And I got to understand and know what he thinks. And it is written and it is settled. And it changeth not. We must create a culture for the love of the word of God. That is apostolic culture. It makes it become the living word. 
which is our daily guide and instruction manual for life. It becomes our daily bread when we fall in love with the Word. And we need to a love for the transforming Word of God that creates a culture that shares the good news with everyone we meet through our personal testimony and through the teachings of the Word of God to others, i.e. Bible studies. Somebody said, well, I'm not a theologian. I don't know anything about the Bible. I'm just, blah, 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 blah. just teach what you know. Just teach what you know. And then know a little more. Just learn a little more. And just teach. don't try to teach something you don't know. Don't get fired up on Melchizedek. I'm not sure I know the guy. I think I know who he is. Don't get caught up in eschatology. Well, when you see this, then that, and then the red heifer's coming around the corner, and here she comes, here she comes, here she comes. Come on, I mean... Just live every day like today is the day of salvation. You don't need to be some guru in revelations to understand the seven seals and the seven. You don't, I mean, I appreciate that. And I have people come and preach that at my church because I don't know a whole lot about that stuff. I, I'm not being rude or nothing else. Those teachers and understanding of that is wonderful. But I can't live every day of my life wondering what's going to happen in the future. I got to live today falling in love with the word of God, sharing what I do know with everybody that I know. All right, I'm moving on. Another breath. Breathe. I can hear my speech coach now. They call it machine gun breathing. That's what my speech coach called it. I'm trying to breathe. This 6,000 feet altitude's about to kill me. But I'm having fun. Now the second aspect of the apostolic culture is loving others. We must love each other through unbreakable fellowship. Say that with me, unbreakable fellowship. And in practical relationships. Everybody say practical relationships. Uh, these two pillars of the apostolic culture are not less significant than the first two pillars of the apostolic culture, which we just discussed, discuss doctrine and prayer. They are four pillars, like the four cars on my tires, four tires on my car. If I didn't have, if I only had two of those tires, I ain't getting here in a car. I've got to have four. You've got to have all four aspect, pillars of the apostolic church to have the apostolic church. In the same breath we learn about doctrine and we learn about prayer, we learn about the essentiality of fellowship and the essentiality of breaking bread together. They are, and as much as the first two aspects are spiritually oriented towards God, the second two aspects are physically actuated towards others and acted out towards others. So I'm loving God through my prayer and through understanding him in the word and I'm loving others through unbreakable fellowship. Say unbreakable fellowship. Because you don't love me until you don't love me. And then you don't love me. You don't divorce me as a pastor. I'm a pastor. I'm not preaching to you as my saints, the ones I'm watching for. But, but oh, pastor, I love you. I love you. I love you. Love. What do you want to do, pastor? What do you want to do? And then somewhere down the line, 30, 26, 15 years later, 10 years later, you say something, they go, I ain't doing that. I thought you was in an unbreakable fellowship relationship with a pastor. No, no, no. See, fellowship is unbreakable. Apostolic fellowship is unbreakable. Apostolic fellowship has got to be held as high in esteem as doctrine does. I'm going to challenge you to go home and prove me wrong. 
You don't have time to have the microphone today, but I'll take its task with the word. You cannot elevate doctrine above apostolic fellowship, unbreakable fellowship. How can you love God whom you have not seen when you can't love your brother? Don't go there with me. Because fellowship is just as important as a prayer relationship. Fellowship, because he said there's two commandments. You know, everything hangs on these. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. I'm simply preaching a simple message of apostolic culture. We have got to get back to apostolic culture. And we've got to get to where we metastasize it to everyone we come in contact with. So unbreakable fellowship are just as important, these physical aspects of uh, of the, of the apostolic culture as prayer and doctrine are. Now, why do we need fellowship? Very simply, the poets have said it, no man is an island. You can't live your life alone. But God said it like this. He saw that Adam was by himself and that he was alone. And he said, it is not good. So he made Adam a helpmate. You are never made to be alone. You are made to be in. That's why the pandemic was so, and the quarantine was so damaging to us as a people, and particularly as a church, because we are so used to fellowshipping. I, I, I could have headed home today. I want to head home. I drove 15 hours yesterday, to get, 13 and a half hours to get here, and I had a couple hours of eating lunch and seeing sights. But, but uh, 15 hours, I, I could be home in about 11. But I decided to stay here tonight because I want to go to lunch with you. And we're looking forward to it. Uh, you're looking forward because you texted me and said you were. And I'm looking forward to going to lunch with you because I want to fellowship. That's what we do. That's why you like to go out to eat after church. That's why you like these potlucks like we're going to have next Sunday. You didn't know it was apostolic, did you? Amen. That's apostolic culture. It's always been a part of the church. Everywhere Jesus went, he fed people. He sat down and he talked with them. He ate with them. He did... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. You're not created to be a solitary creature. So what is fellowship? The word is koinonia. It's the Greek word. It's, it simply means an association of people, a community of people, people who jointly participate in things together, a social or spiritual intimacy with others. That's what quantania is. And the little kids are out of here, so I'll give you the real word. It's spiritual intercourse. It's really where your spirit bonds together with another person's spirit. Now, we can illustrate this very well. You walk in and you say to your wife, hey, babe, is everything okay? She said, it's fine. No, is everything... I said... It's fine. Babe. And you start backing up at this point. <laughs> Is everything okay? I said it's fine. That means everything's not fine, but don't open your mouth again. Now, the reason I know is I speak that fellowship language with my wife. I know how she's feeling even when she doesn't express her feelings. And she knows how I'm feeling when I... Uh, even when I don't express my feelings to her. She knows when I'm up, when I'm down, because we have spiritual intimacy. Our spirits are joined together. They cannot, they have become flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, and spirit of my spirit. So they are joined together. God intends for the church to be that connected. 
that every joint supplieth. Don't make me go there. I'll preach all day long. We are fitly framed together that you supply my needs, I supply your needs. Oh, my nose itches, so I got to scratch it. So I don't like my fingers anymore, so I just try to scratch my nose. I go rub it on a tree or something. That's dumb. My nose itches, my hand says, I got this. That's the body of Christ. That's how it's supposed to work. That's apostolic culture. Woo, I feel my helper. How do we create apostolic, an apostolic culture of unbreakable fellowship? By considering your own self. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Treat others. Mama-ology. How you would like to be treated. That's what mama preached. Treat others like you would like to be treated. Considering your own self. Love your neighbor like yourself. Paul preached it to Galatians like this. Brethren, if you see someone overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual in the apostolic culture, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We need apostolic culture of koinonia that brings unbreakable fellowship that says, he's my brother, she's my sister, and their situation could be my situation. Mm, I got to remember I'm a long way from home. I almost started telling stories. And if I start telling stories, my Lord, my wife will get on to me. Because she'll listen. Uh, she's a long way off, isn't she? 11 hours away. Hang on. I started to preach about grown kids, but I'm not going to. Grown kids. Keep them little. That's all I can say. Keep them itty bitty. Itty bitty kids are precious. I don't even when they break the windows and scratch the paint on the car. Grown kids. Grown kids. But we need to. What I was going to say is if you start talking about somebody else's grown kids, don't let yours grow up. Because <laughs> it's going to be yours next. We need to get to a spirit of fellowship that when we see somebody else that's going through something, whether it's them or their kids or their grandkids or something else, we don't look down on them, we don't cast down on them, we don't talk down on them. We consider that that could be me. For God's sake, it has been me. Can I say that? Amen. I, you know my testimony if you've heard me preach before. I was a preacher's kid on the way to hell. I was selling methamphetamines on a Texas district camp meeting. I'm not proud of that. That's the shamefulest part of my life. But that's who I was. That's who I was. And when you see somebody like that, you can't just throw them away. You just can't kick them out. You just can't run them off. You got to say, that could be me. That could be my kids. That has been me. That has been my kids. That has been. And we need to have that kind of unbreakable fellowship that does not turn loose of people we love. Oh, my, 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 my. We need un, uh, that kind of uh, apostolic fellowship that brings koinonia, that brings uninhibited worship together. Paul said it to the Hebrew church like this, 1024. Let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and more so, much more so as you see the day approaching. In other words, we've got to keep coming together. No matter how hard it is, 
it is, no matter how it feels, no matter even if it kills us, we've got to keep coming together, telling each other, I need you. I'm here to help you. You need me. We need uninhibited worship where we come together and praise God together. It's not enough just to do it in our homes like we did it for two years. Uh, we got to get back. Uh, if you're watching online, I love you. But come back to church. We need you back in the worship with uninhibited worship. You don't worship like me and I don't worship like you. But I don't need, you don't need carry culture. You don't need TCC culture or CAC culture. You need to worship how you worship. I see some of y'all worship different than others around here. I see some, I, I'm not a runner or a roller, but I am a worshiper. I can stomp with the best of them, and I can throw a yeehaw in every once in a while, and I can say amen, and I'm not a singer, but I am a joyful noise person. And so if you're a singer, you might want to sit on aisle number three huh, and not close to me because I'm going to make a joyful noise. I don't know all the words to the song, but I don't complain about the song. I just make up my own words. I like my words better. That's called uninhibited worship. It says up there and I say over there. I don't care, it's just me worshiping my God. And when we come together, you need to be uninhibited. I need to be uninhibited. She needs to be uninhibited. We need to just worship God however we worship God. I'm still preaching on apostolic culture. It's unbreakable fellowship. It brings uninhibited worship. It brings unmeasurable sacrifice for each other. Let's take another look at Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. Now, if you're rich, you're getting worried right now. If you don't have enough money to get by, you're saying amen. <laughs> and somewhere in between those two ideologies is truth. The truth of the matter is we saw some things happen in the pandemic that I can't believe. When the houses of God were shut down and nobody but 10 people could come in there, people were getting sick. People were, didn't even know. I saw people do things you couldn't, I wouldn't have dared ask people to do. I would not have asked somebody to go into situations like they willfully went into situations. I've seen people drive for hours to get to somebody to give them a COVID test. I've seen people take food into a COVID situation that I knew they were going to get COVID when they went in there and they did get COVID. And some of them died. But they died doing what they believe. They died in an apostolic culture that says, I love my brother as myself. I, I sacrifice, I give. I'm not advocating craziness and I'm not stupid and, and I washed my hands and I wore a mask and I fist bumped and elbow bumped and did everything they told me to do. But at some point, uh, at the end of the day, if that's my child and they're sick uh, or that's my brother and they're sick uh, or that's my neighbor and they're sick, uh, I've got to get to where I love them more than I love me. They shared 
the money they had with those in need and they worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in their homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals. They shared their meals and this phrase just captivates me with great joy and generosity. I know y'all have it here. We have it in the South too, down in Texas. You go over some of these old church ladies' house and they say, would you like some mashed potatoes? And they still serve the plates down South for you. You don't get it yourself and they make your plate for you. And so they, would you like some mashed potatoes? Yes, ma'am, I'll take a little bit. Whop, 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 whop. I said a little bit. She said, I'm getting there. Whop. My little gravy, some greens, uh, two pieces of chicken. Uh, no, let's make it four. Let's make generosity. They want to give to you. This is an apostolic culture. This is who we are. This is what we are. This is where we came from. This is our roots. Uh, we got to rearticulate this. We got to get back to this. That Not this us four no more. I'm just trying to save me and my own. I'm trying to get us to heaven. We got to get to a place where my brother is like myself. I want you to notice in the New Testament, there are no more physical sacrifices to God. In an apostolic culture, there's no bulls or lambs or wine offering or grain offering, nothing burning going up to heaven. But there are sacrifices in the New Testament. And every sacrifice in the New Testament, every physical sacrifice in the New Testament is not for God, but are for each other. They're for you and your brother, you sacrifice still to God. When you do it to the least in the kingdom, you have done it as unto me. When you sacrifice and help and pour out of your love and out of your apostolic culture to someone else, you're doing it as unto the Lord. And they, he, he said, uh, uh, well, excuse me, I want you to know this, that God does not need your time He does not need your talent and he does not need your treasure. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. All the gold and the silver in the earth belong to God. Your breath is his already. You kick over today, excuse me, I'm not, my wife, I can hear her from Texas saying, you better behave, boy. Amen. You kick off today and you die today, the world just keeps clicking like you never were here. You think you're so big that the world's going to stop? God don't need your breath. Somebody's born again. Somebody else comes to life again. You just have the opportunity to use your time, your talent, and your treasure for God. You, 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 You get offended and they don't let you sing your part. I'm talented. God takes somebody in a honky-tonk. He finds a rock in a honky-tonk somewhere and says, hey, Mr. Big Shot, if you won't cry out unto me and you won't worship me, I'll take this fella, this gal out of, a, of, out of the worst place in the world and I'll pick them up and I'll clean them up because I can, they've got something, they may have every tooth rotted out of their head because they've been on meth, but when they open their voice, they sing like an angel or they play a beat like you ain't ever seen before. He said, if these hold their peace, I've got rocks that'll cry out unto me. God doesn't need your time, your talent, your treasure, but others do. And this church serves others. Give your money to this church. Return your tithe 
to this church. I'm, I'm, I, this is not in my notes, but I feel it in my spirit and they can fix it when I'm done. Don't pay your tithes to some TV station. Don't split your tithes. Trust your man of God with the money of God. Turn it into the church. And if you can't trust the man of God with the money of God, then go to somewhere where you can. Don, I'm sorry if you heard that. Go somewhere where you can because you gotta, you got to turn loose of it for it to be a gift. And for it to be tithe, you got to pay it upwards. Not just outward, you got to pay it upwards. And you need to turn it loose and let it go and trust that it's going to be used in the right place at the right time in the right location. That was not in the notes. Oops, you might want to back that out of there. Amen. Now, apostolic culture and sacrifices are for each other. We need apostolic culture that brings a oneness of believers and creates a common vision. Let me breathe again. We need apostolic culture, and I'm bringing it to a close. We need apostolic culture. We only got one more thing to cover, and then we're done. We need apostolic culture that brings a oneness with other believers that creates a common vision of discipled, disciplined, determined disciples to work together, an effective lifestyle of evangelism, a living witness that everywhere we go, we need to create an apostolic culture of oneness that it makes us mission-minded and that we are willing to send or to be sent to places that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, finally, we need the practical relationships. And this is the part, I don't want to re-preach it again. Everybody say breaking bread. This is the part in which um, it takes a lot of investment. Now, if somebody calls right now, I'll just turn my phone on on purpose. So forgive them if they call. Now I'm getting all downloads of messages and everything else. But I did it on purpose to illustrate a point. We need, here we go. We need practical relationships if we are to create an apostolic culture. Why do we need practical relationships? A person standing alone can be attacked and be defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better. For a a triple braided cord is not easily broken, says Ecclesiastes 4 and 12. And this is what a practical relationship looks like. Every time your pastor calls my phone, this is what it sounds like. Hopefully this works. Johnny Martinez. Nope. That's Johnny Martinez. (laughs) Hold on. This has got to work. This didn't work the first time in my church either. Hang on. Hold on, Johnny. Hold on, Johnny. Whoa, Johnny. Here we go. I got it. Every time he calls. Nope. Stop. Whoa, Johnny. Here's what it sounds like. I'm going to do it myself. I want it to be more spectacular, but it's not. This is what it sounds like. God bless Bill Withers. Every time Pastor Don's phone calls me, this is what plays. Every time Merlin Swan's phone calls me, this is what it plays. Every time Nathan Scoggins' phone calls me, this is what it plays. Because swallow your pride. Go ahead. I could preach the song. I did. In my church, we played the whole thing, but I didn't know how much liberty I had here. Brother Bill was 
He may have been a drunk the other six days a week, but he was anointed when he wrote that one, baby. And when he sang that one, lean on me. Lean on me. So the other day, I'm going down the road, minding my own business with my schedule insane. And it hits that tune. Lean on me when you're not strong. And I know what that means. That's one of my practical relationships. That's one of the people that I have chosen to do life with. That I have set aside. And, I've de- and if your ringtone is not lean on me with me, don't get your feelings hurt, Johnny. It's okay. I still love you. I can't do life with everybody. But I can do life with somebody. And the other day, I'm going down the road and that song starts to play. And your pastor's voice is on the other line. I answer, say, hey, Don, how's it going? He said, great, man. Is there any way you can be in Denver on the 22nd of May? I said, what? He said, is there any way you can be in Denver on the 22nd of May? I said, he goes, I know you have your own church, the pastor. I know... I know, and then he starts telling me that he's got this vacation plan and he's got this plan and he's got that plan. I said, well, I'm driving right now. I can't look at my schedule, but I'll look as soon as I get home. Talking about practical relationships. So I get home, open my calendar up. I've got 13 layers in my calendar. I'm not exaggerating. 13 overlays. Our, Our church sits right in the center of all four of Texas districts. So we go to camp meeting over here, ladies meeting over there. So I got all of these district calendars. I got my personal calendar. I got my business calendar. I got my wife's calendar. I got this calendar. I got all these calendars to try to make them fit on May the 22nd. Right here, right now. I open it up, and I see that I've been invited to my friend's motorcycle ride. The one I told you that said, he's almost 70 and sharp. If you're going to go with me on these, and his ringtone is, lean on me. <laughs> and he said, if you're going to go with me on one of these motorcycle rides, you better go with me because I'm getting older, and I don't know how many more of these things I can do. And I was telling my wife, honey, I'm not really into 38 or 4,000 miles in my car and all of that. I don't know how that's going to work out. I, I don't know. But all of a sudden, the math starts working. If I go with this lean on me, I go from here to there to there to there to there, and I end up way up there in Northern California. Guess what? I can be right back in Denver. I can drive 13 and a half hours in one day to get back in Denver to be in lean on me. When you're not strong, I'll be your friend, someone you can lean on. And that's what doing life looks like. That's what they had. They broke bread together. They did life Together, So I spent seven days with my 70-year-old buddy riding a big Harley thinking he's 40. <laughs> Me following him around in the mountains as a friendship thing, a commitment. Because you see, time, talent, and treasure, God don't need it, but they do. Don, your pastor, Pastor Haman, needed someone he could trust to cover his congregation because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. He knows I would do nothing to hurt you or him. He can trust me. The bishop is here. He trusts me. And so I have a calling that I can share with you. I don't have the time, but I gave it to you. 
They'll give me a check because they always do when I come here. But God has blessed me and I don't need the money. I'm not doing this because I need a paycheck. I got a paycheck at home. They're paying me to be gone. I'm, pay, I'm here today because my friend, Don Haman II, who was not raised in the same organization that I was, who didn't come from the same traditions that I come from, that I met one day in a Seattle airport about five years ago. Now our lives are wound together like this. We love each other. We've been around the world to get with each other. We're doing life. I celebrate with him. He celebrates with me. He prayed with me when my son died. He's carried me in prayer. We do, we're doing, I'm talking about the fourth pillar of the apostolic church is literally and physically doing life together. It takes money, it takes time, it takes investment, and it has got to be practical. When we say the word practical, that means practice. Let me say this and say it clear. I said it the first time I preached this, and it was misunderstood. I cleaned it up the second time, and I think I watered it down too much. And this is the third time that the Lord has laid on me to preach this message. A man came to my church from another church. He comes walking down the aisle, catches me. I know he wants to catch me. I'm trying to go down the different aisle because he's got lots of problems. I don't mean that wrong. He's not one of my saints is what I'm trying to tell you. He stops and said, I want to go to your church. He finally stopped me. If you're watching, I love you. See you in heaven. Boom, big guy stops me. I'm trying to get to the office. He said, I want to go to your church. Other church, da 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 I don't want to hear any of that. I'm trying to get to the office. He says, the only thing is, I like to drink coffee with my pastor at least once a week. I looked at him, I said, you're in the wrong church, buddy, because that ain't never going to happen. Now, I said it more strongly than that the first time in my church because I really felt anointed <laughs> or just uninhibited. And my wife corrected all of that. Let me explain. I don't have time. Your pastor, your bishop does not have time to have coffee with every single man in this church once a week. If you did, you're going to have a church of about 40 to 60 people, tops. And that's why most of our churches have 40 to 60 people. But what you need is to find somebody that you can put their ringtone, lean on me when we're not strong, and that you can do coffee with, and that you can say hello, and you can, a practical relationship has got to be a relationship that can be practiced. And if you can't practice it, if you just say hello at camp meeting every once in a while, or hi at conference, and you're not willing to feed my dog, or drive 13 hours to preach in my church, or to spend your money to come all the way to Temple, Texas to my son's funeral, you ain't getting lean on me. Find you a lean on me person and say, I want to do life with you. I need to do life with you. It's part of the apostolic culture. And if we will get together with this apostolic culture, we will create it by investing our time, our talent, and our treasure. And we've got to be intentional. Let me go fast. We've got to do it by sacrificing, giving to the ones that you love, pouring out. If there's anything that you need that I have, it's yours. And invariably when I preach this, somebody hits me up for money before I leave the front of the house of the Lord. Nah, your ringtone ain't leaning on me. I gave it the offering today. See the pastor. You got to sacrifice for it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to get in the car and follow the motorcycles. And in doing so, what did I tell you? I told you I had a blast. 
Remember this morning? I told you, 3,800 miles in a car in seven days. Who does that? I did for him, but it helped me. I'm still sane. I'm actually happy. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm ready to go back home and get off a of vacation and go to work for the Lord. I'm telling you, we need to have these types of relationships. We must bring apostolic culture to reality. Okay. The crux of the message is simple. Let me, let me, I knew I had way too much here. I told you I had a lot. I just got to having fun. Amen. We need to create apostolic culture. Let me just blow through some of this. You can watch it again. We need to create apostolic culture of doing life together that brings great joy and generosity. Simply put, a hole in one is no good by yourself. Catching a nine-pound bass on the boat by yourself is nothing. But if you've got somebody on the other end of the boat with, you can say, look what I've done. And finding that perfect pair of shoes for $49 instead of $149 or $349 is not fun by yourself but it is fun with somebody else. You got where I'm going. Friends don't fight on who has to pay the tab. Friends fight over who gets to pay the tab. We need unbreakable unity. As much as fellowship brings singleness of vision, doing life together brings unbreakable unity. We can have a singleness of heart with fellowship, but until we start doing life with each other, we will not be unified. We really won't be linked together. And we will not have a true community. When the world sees us interacting in this apostolic fashion, in this apostolic culture, they will see it and they will want to join the church. It happened on the first day of the church. It happened on the second day of the church, the third day of the church. And it happened all the way through all the generations. And the Lord added to the church daily when they saw this culture. They will say, what meaneth this? What's going on with you people? Why do you do that? And you'll say, it's because we love Jesus. It's our apostolic culture, and there's room for you and your family. Amen. We must create an apostolic culture, whoever's coming, come, of love for God and love for others. A culture of loving God that draws us closer to him and a culture of loving others that draws us closer to them. I tell you, I got some good stuff here. I wish I could have the breath and the time to preach it. At a second glance at the book of Acts, we find... The last glance, we find the benefits and blessings of apostolic culture. It said, a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had, and they sold their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need, and they worshiped together. And they were at the temple each day, and they met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill, the favor of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So here are the benefits and the blessings of apostolic culture. It is the supernatural, many miracles, signs, and wonders. And I will say to you, in an apostolic culture, God will blow your mind. God will blow your mind in an apostolic culture. I hath not seen ear hath not heard neither is it entered the heart of man what God has prepared for you but if you'll get into a spiritual place in an apostolic culture he will show you he will open the treasures of heaven and you will see things that will blow your mind in an apostolic culture you will see unity through community you'll share what you have and you'll lack nothing you may not know how to fix your car but somebody in the church does you may not know what pill you need to take when you get COVID, but somebody in the church does. 
It is the original social security system. The apostolic community creates a social security in which every man looks for another man and every woman looks after another woman. We saw it happen in the pandemic. We saw it in our small groups, people going into settings and situations, people giving of their food and their resources, people giving of hydroxychloroquine to somebody. They had a stash of it for themselves in case they got it and somebody else got sick and they gave it to them. I don't know if it worked or not. I'm just telling you what they did. And they themselves went without. I'm telling you what people in an apostolic culture, I'm just sharing with you what has happened. And I know you have your stories too. It is the original social security. It's uninhibited worship and sacrifice to God in the temple and in our daily lives. It's an unbreakable fellowship that brings joy and generosity as we love our neighbors as ourselves. And it is a favor of all the people in our community when they see apostolic culture. And it creates an unbelievable curiosity that says, what meaneth this? And it draws people to the church. It is an open community that welcomes others and wants people to join. It is a holy community that is in the world, but not of the world. It's, it's insulated, but not isolated. I want to say that again. It's a holy community that is in the world, but not of the world. It's insulated, but not isolated. It's salt and it's light. It affects every environment that it touches, but no environment affects it. And it is the Lord's will to add to the church. And if we create this apostolic community, would you stand with me? If we create this apostolic community, it will draw all men to Christ. And the church will grow. 3,000 the first day. 5,000 the second day. History says 80,000 by the first week. And we know that it's scattered throughout the uttermost parts of the world. Even to Denver, Colorado today, this apostolic message is being preached, lived, and practiced today. So what do I need to do if I'm in this house today? I want to be a part of that apostolic community. I want to help create apostolic culture. What do I need to do, preacher? You need to recognize that you need to be saved from this evil culture and don't trust in the world's culture. Don't trust the government. I'm not saying that we don't have a good government. We got the best form of government on the planet. But don't trust it to be your savior. Don't, don't trust it for your answers. Don't, don't lean on me and lean on it. You lean on each other. You lean on a brother. You lean on a sister. We need to recognize that we need to be saved from this evil generation, as Paul said. We need to recommit as saints of God. That is to be intentional about creating an apostolic culture in you. You need to wake up every day and say, I'm going to do what that preacher said Sunday. I'm going to be apostolic. I'm going to walk apostolic. I'm going to talk apostolic. I'm going to sing apostolic. I'm going to live apostolic. I'm going to witness apostolic. I am an apostolic Pentecostal. You need to recommit to be intentional to create an apostolic culture. And if you're a sinner in this, in this house today, you need to turn from the sinful world and you need to turn for God, to God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's what repentance sounds like. God, I want to serve you with everything that I am, with everything that I have. You're my Lord. If you're here today and you hadn't made that decision in faith, could you do that with me right now? If you're lost, you're wandering and you're confused or you're watching online, could you simply tell the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't want to live like I want to live anymore. I want to live like you want me to live. I want to walk the way you want me to walk. I want to talk the way you want me to talk. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost moving on somebody right now. Just turn from God. Turn to God. Turn from the world with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you are baptized in the name of Jesus, you receive his authority. And when you receive the 
baptism of the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in another tongues as the initial sign of receiving that supernatural gift from God, you will receive the power to use the authority. So I'm here to tell you, if you're in this house and you have not received the Holy Spirit of God, it's a gift from God. If you're listening online and you've not received it, it is not something this church can give you. It's something that Jesus Christ is giving you. He purchased it with his precious blood. And you can join this apostolic community by simply saying, Lord, I'll be baptized in your name. I'm not ashamed of you. And I want the authority of the name of Jesus. And I want the power of the Holy Ghost in me. And if you're in this place today, sinner or saint alike, you've got to make a decision that I'm going to replicate. I'm going to go make disciples. I'm going to take somebody and turn them into another me. Sir, I don't know your name, but is it okay if I use you for a minute? Would you come here for me, with me and stand beside me? My wife used to, we had a church school for 30 years, 27 years. And my wife was the teacher. You don't mind if I hold your hand, do you? Okay, I'm going to hold your arm. Amen. Amen. I'm not giving you cooties or nothing. Amen. And I don't think you have cooties either. Amen. My wife was the principal of our school for many years. And she has, she's a pastor's wife. She has this. She had a career. She has all this other kind of stuff going on. And so this little girl is in the school. She's not a little girl. She's a senior. She's a young woman. And she starts following my wife around like a, a lost puppy. You know what I'm talking about, that you just drop a few morsels and they start following you around, start following you around. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody ever picked up a stray pet? Come on. All right. You're guilty, aren't you? She started following my wife around everywhere she went, everywhere she went. And she'd just get closer to my wife and closer to my wife. And my wife was just getting suffocated and drugged down and messed up and you say, wait a minute, it's your job to, my wife's doing 14 other jobs, 50, 60 other people she's ministering to. And this young lady is just, can't, can't order a drink at McDonald's without calling my wife and saying, what do you drink, Sister Sharp? You know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to be rude, please, you know me. If you've been here, you know my spirit. I took that lady, I said, come with me. Her name's Tara. Tara, if you're watching, I love you, and you know I love you. I've used this illustration when, and I had Tara come up. And I took Tara over. And you're Tara today. Not really. But I didn't feel comfortable getting a young woman out of the crowd, okay? That's where we're going with this. And I took Tara over to Sister Cleo. Sister Cleo is one of our senior saints. She's been a church secretary for how, a thousand and six years or something like that, you know. And she's not married. Her husband's deceased. She has a lot of time. She's a senior. And I took Tara over to Cleo, and I said, Tara, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy daughter. I said, Cleo, you turn Tara into another Cleo. And if you see Tara today, she's not that little stray off the street anymore. She's got two beautiful children. She's married in our church. She's a anchor in our church she worships not like my wife but she worships like Cleo she prays like Cleo she loves her pastor like Cleo does you see it's not just enough to be apostolic I got to make another apostolic I have a responsibility to find somebody else and say I want you to lean on me I want you to be like what I like and I want to be like what you're like and we want to do life together and pour into those people if you will do that thank you sir if you will replicate yourself when you get to heaven 
I can promise you you're going to hear the Savior say, Well done. Well done. Enter in. Could you lift your hands in this place today? Right now. Is there someone lost in this house? Someone lonely and lost here today? Would you lift your voice and your hands to God? If you would like to join this apostolic community and you're not a member of this church or this community, if you just step out and come to the front, I'm sure someone will meet you here from this apostolic community and they will pray with you and help you and become your friend and become the person that leads you to where you're looking for in Christ. It may not be the bishop. And it may not be Pastor Don, or it may not be D3, but there's somebody in this congregation that'll wrap their arms around you and say, I'm going to take you to heaven with me. We're going to be friends. We're going to do life together. We're going to fellowship. We're going to learn the Word of God together. We're going to love together. If you're here today and you would like to make that commitment in faith, all you've got to do is step out and come to this front. Someone will join you. There's water and there's, they can baptize you in the name of Jesus today. And today you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost if you have not, which is the greatest gift that you've ever been given. And you will feel the power of God begin to course through your spirit as you begin to speak in another tongue. I'm saying today to someone, saints, help me pray. I'm reaching for someone. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're not in this house. But if you're in this house, and if you'll just simply come forward, and maybe you're not comfortable coming forward, but you can lean over to somebody beside you and say, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? I want to be a part of the apostolic community. I want to create apostolic culture. I want to be what he's talking about today. God's in this house for you here today. Or if there's someone online, there's someone viewing online, would you please leave your couch of comfort and would you find a prayer closet in your home right now and would you fall on your face before God and say, I've got to be absolutely apostolic. Is there someone at home watching that you say, I've got to sell out. I've got to give everything I've got to Jesus Christ. I've got to give everything I've got to my brother, my sister, my neighbor. I've got to invest my time, my talent, my treasure. Is there a saint here in this place today that would join me at the front in recommitting to being absolutely apostolic? You'll join me by stepping out of where you're at. Come on, you can come now. Amen. You'll join me by saying, I want to be absolutely apostolic. I will not be distracted nor discouraged. I will not lose my identity and my ide- I will, excuse me, I will lose my, surrender my identity and my ideology to the Christ and the cross. I'll quit being me and I'll start living for Him. I will intentionally invest in others and I will share my apostolic experience with the lost everywhere I go. Can you sing something to the Lord? Amen. Right now, it's time to commit and to recommit. It's time to commit and recommit to being absolutely apostolic. I don't want to be anything else. I love the United Pentecostal Church. It's where I was born. It's where I want to die. But more than UPCI, I've got to be an apostolic. I've got to be an apostolic.